Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Good. It's nice to see you. So, uh, yeah, my name's Joel. Um, I work here. I have the amazing job that is sort of coordinating all the, the worship that goes on. So, so the musicians and, uh, and organizing um, the songs that we, that we do on Sundays and doing practices and just meeting up with, with other musicians who love to worship God. And it is such a privilege to do that. Um, it's also nice that they've asked me to talk again. This is my second time. So obviously the first time wasn't too bad. There wasn't too many things that were false. Um, so let's go again. Jesus, I pray that there aren't many things that are false. Please speak through me. So um, so we've been looking at the book of James. Um, my job is to sort of look at the last chapter of James, James 5. Um, but before we, we go into that, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that James has been trying to tell us throughout the book. And I think um, as you go through the chapters, it's a very sort of blunt book. James doesn't mess around. He really says it how it is. And in chapter one, he says something that's quite sort of hard to understand, that when we're going through difficult times, when we're going through troubles and trials, that actually we are blessed when we persevere through that. And that sets us up really well, as, because a lot of what he says in the rest of the book kind of goes along with that theme, that actually... The wisdom that James is giving us in this book seems to be really different to what the world normally thinks. You normally think that someone who has it all together, someone who has perfect health, has a lot of wealth, has just things going their way, that they are the ones who are blessed. But James keeps on reminding us that actually, no, godly wisdom is something that is completely different. And throughout James, he quotes a lot, and he quotes the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a book that is all about this wisdom, this godly wisdom, this, this wisdom that is opposite to worldly wisdom, that actually, it's when we're at the end of ourselves, when we're going through trials, when we're struggling, that it's actually then that God calls us blessed because we, we're at that place where we're like, God, we don't have anything left. So we reach out to him and we say, God, Come and be with us in this place. So this wisdom is, uh, is quite unique. I googled what, um, what it means to become a wise person. And this is what it said. It said, this is t there's six ways on there. Think before you speak. Realize that there is never a right time. Balance self-interest with the collective good. Put things in perspective before you jump it to conclusions. Don't blindly accept the status quo. I do quite like that one, actually. Keep your power... Don't let other people's negativity upset you. Okay, interesting. I think there's a few that maybe I would say have, have been taken from godly wisdom, but I think there's also a few that have probably founded in, in sort of a more worldly wisdom, what people normally think. But let's look at what James says. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. It will be given to you. So the first thing that James is saying, this is back week one, James chapter one. 
if you want wisdom, if you want to see the world the way God sees it, if you want to see his, how he wants the world to become, you should ask. You should ask. You should ask for wisdom. And God, it would be his pleasure, it would be his privilege to give you this wisdom. I said that James quotes Proverbs a lot. When Proverbs describes wisdom, he describes it as a person. He actually describes it as a she, that wisdom is this, wisdom is that. And she is like this. She is, she is, more, um, she is better than gold. She has more return than silver, things like that. But actually, when we look at wisdom through the eyes of the New Testament, we see that wisdom is perfectly personified, perfectly represented by Jesus Christ. And it says in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that Christ is the power of God and also the wisdom of God. Jesus personifies wisdom. And that makes sense because when you think about worldly wisdom, this you're blessed if you're healthy, you're blessed if you're wealthy, you're blessed if you've got everything going for you. That's not the story of Jesus. Jesus was not born into a rich family. Jesus was born into a stable, into a manger, into refugee parents. He was a refugee himself. He didn't have wealth. He didn't have everything going for him. He was the opposite of worldly wisdom. And then he grew up again. He was, he was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. But the most important thing about Jesus is that he wasn't enthroned on a beautiful throne. He was lifted high upon a cross. It's the complete opposite of what we think that the world should look like. So God wants us to see the world how he does. And what Jesus talked about, the way Jesus explained this, he used these, these words. He said, the kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, was what Jesus always introduced his preaching with. And when he explained what the kingdom of heaven was like, we hear that it was exactly the opposite to what worldly wisdom is. The kingdom of heaven is upside down. The kingdom of heaven seems opposite. I just want to, I will go back to James, but I just want to show you, um, I just want to show you what Jesus said that godly wisdom was. Could we, could we bring up the Beatitudes? So this is what Jesus said. These are the people who are closest to him. These are the people that own, that inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So the people who are completely at the end of themselves, people who realize that they are just so poor, they can't do anything. They, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the people who can't do anything. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the people who aren't really very important. For they will inherit the earth. They will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think that's people who look at the world and they see that it's not as it should be. They see relationships and they see that they're broken. And yet they're meek and they're mourning because they can't do anything about it. In their own strength, they, they can't change things. These are the people that will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. 
because they will be shown merciful, but mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. This is the upside down kingdom. This is the godly wisdom that we should ask for, and God will give it to us. I think what it comes down to, what James is trying to tell us to do, is to humble ourselves. Is to realize that on our own, we are just unable to do much. We can go after wealth, we can go after popularity, but at the end, that all fades away. Wealth always rots. That's what James says in number four, in chapter four. It rots, it, it doesn't last. But if we humble ourselves, if we come to God, we will inherit this upside down kingdom and we will be people who start to look like Jesus, who start to be able to change the world, not because of our own strength, but because God will use us. I think normally we would say in the, in the normal view of the world that rich, powerful people, famous people are the ones we look up to as the first. I know for a lot of my teenage years, I obsessed about learning who was in every movie. So when people spoke about that movie, I would know that celebrity's name and I'd be able to talk about him and I'd probably be able to talk about his friends and his family and his dog. I would know their names. I wanted to know about these people. And the poor are looked down on and ignored. They're voiceless. Jesus' kingdom is the other way up. He obsessed himself about getting to know the people who were voiceless. People who no one cared about their opinion. Often the ones who didn't really have many, many obvious skills. Often people who were sick. People who couldn't get out of bed. They were the people that Jesus obsessed about. They were the people that Jesus went to. This is the upside down kingdom. This is the godly wisdom that James says we should be asking for. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's how the world will be redeemed. Is when we have the same obsession over the poor, over the widows. God says pure religion is looking after the widows and the orphans. The people without a voice. Many who are first will be last. But many who are last will be first. So, Jesus brings this kingdom of heaven. And all James is doing is he's reminding, of that. he's reminding us of this in his book. So if we go to the next slide, can you hear the repetition? So this is all from the book of James. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? Sounds very like the Beatitudes. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Purify your hearts. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Wow. Wow. Like, he's, he's telling us to flip everything. Realize how much we need him. Humble ourselves and he will lift us up. Wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit. This sounds just like Jesus. Peacemakers. Don't show favoritism. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. These are all opposites. These are all opposites to how we might normally see the world. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. James is just repeating what Jesus was saying. 
He's trying to get the importance of it over to us. Okay, I'm going to start talking about what I was actually asked to talk about now, which is James 5. Because I think, I think it's, it's a really important chapter. So we'll go to James 5, and it's, um, it's verse 13. And how I see this is kind of like an application. So you know you get those, those Bibles which give you like a life application. You've read this, now how are you going to apply this to your life? This is what I think the end of this chapter is like. If we want this godly wisdom, if we want to be people who are bringing in this upside-down kingdom into our communities, we should do this. Okay? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay? So in every situation, what's God saying? If you're happy, pray. Sing praise. If you're sad, pray. If you're sick, pray. Humble yourself. Become poor in spirit. Realize that you need God. That in your own strength, you just, you, it won't last. It won't last. In every situation, pray. I think it's amazing, this, this message, that God is just saying, in every situation, Pray. Humble yourself. What's more humbling than confessing your sins to God? What is more humbling than confessing your sins to each other? That's really difficult. But it's being poor in spirit. It's lessening yourself, decreasing yourself so that God can be more. God can reign in your life more. If you're anything like me, you'll probably find that whenever you're confessing to a friend, you might wait a couple of weeks before you do it. It might be too, too embarrassing, like you haven't got it together to do it in that moment. But what's got, what James is saying is, is confess now. The relationships that you have in this church, the trust will grow if you are doing it together, if you acknowledge how weak we, we are. If, how poor in spirit we are. I think it's so easy to maybe confess a couple of weeks later. Oh, please pray for me because I was really struggling with this. It's a lot harder to go, can you pray for me now because I am struggling with this. Confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to the Lord and you will be forgiven. That's the promise that Jesus made on the cross. That's the beauty of his pierced hands and his pierced feet. You will be forgiven. There's a, there's a song that we're, we're going to sing later. And the bridge of it, um, it's, a, it's a new song, but the bridge of it is really simple. It just says, I return to you, talking about God. I return to you, God, because you are my first love. I return to you because you are my first love. If you're in trouble, return to God. Pray about it. If you're happy, return to God. He's your first love. Praise him. 
If you're in trouble, if you're sick, first response, return to God. Realize that we need to be meek. We need to be poor in spirit. Because actually God says we are blessed when we are going through those trials. And then James continues with an amazing promise. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And it gives an example of it. Elijah was a human being just as we are. Just as me and you are. Elijah, he was like us. He had two feet, I think. Two hands. He was a man. Nothing really special about him. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. I know that a lot of us were raining. uh, Not raining. We were praying for it not to rain on Sarah's wedding. (laughs) I think if every bride got that wish, maybe it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. But, But Elijah, he was a righteous man and God answered his prayer. There was a reason behind that. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow. When we realize that we're poor in spirit, when our first response is, I return to you, God. I return to you, God. My first response is, I return to you, God, and I pray to you. God answers our prayers. I think it's easy to go, wow, that was Elijah. That was Elijah. He was a prophet. He brought down fire from heaven. I'm I'm Joel. I've never done that. I remember I used to stand, I remember, like, I don't know how old I was, but probably about 10 or 11, and I was really like, oh, God, I'm stood in front of the sea right now. If you let me walk on water, I promise I'll believe on you. I promise. Like, that's so so obvious. It's those kind of prayers that I think, oh, yeah, well, he's never really going to answer those things. But Elijah was a man just like we were. Or we are. (laughs) But what does it mean to be righteous? Because it says it's the prayer of a righteous person that is powerful and effective. Does righteous mean perfect? I don't think so. I think righteous means you know where you stand with God. Daily you're coming to him and you're walking in his light. His light shines on you and and in that light you see all of the, the darknesses in yourself. You realize that you're weak. You realize that you're poor in spirit. And you realize that you need God. Righteous isn't being perfect. It isn't being sinless. It's walking in good relationship with God and with other people. And the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Thank God. Thank God for that. It doesn't mean to be sinless. It means walking in the light. And I think with that humility... Knowing where we stand with God, that is where we receive great power. That is where we receive power for people to be healed in the name of Jesus. That is where we receive power for sins to be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. That is where we receive the power 
for our communities, our families to change. And it gives us the power as well for one of the greatest miracles to happen, for people to turn back to God. People to come back to their father. Our prayers are that powerful. When we humble ourselves, when we come to God, when he is our first response, our prayers have the power to change how people relate to God. Isn't that amazing? So what I want to do right now, I'm just going to invite the band back. And um, what I'm going to do is just ask you to sort of turn to some people around you. If you're new, maybe just introduce yourself to them and say hey. And maybe, maybe, we should, maybe we should just do this right now. We should make it a first response. So maybe you want to ask that person, how are you doing? Are you happy? Are you sick? Are you going through trials? Maybe if you're feeling really brave, you might want to say, actually, there's, there's places in my life where I'm really distant from God. There's darknesses I can see in me, and I want to tell you about them, and I want to confess them to you and to God. If, you're really, if, if you feel like that now is the right time and the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that, do it. If not, if you're happy, praise if you're going through troubles, pray about it. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for healing if that's needed. And this, and this song is just going to play over us. And the bridge just says, I return to you, God, because you are my first love. We're humbling ourselves. That's what James is teaching us, to humble ourselves and come before God. Okay. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.